Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, bubba. Hey, bubba. Hey, man. Good to hear from you this week and get ready to talk a little text. We are rapidly moving through the middle and on through this season of Easter, Easter Tide for many of you. Uh, we're talking text today for the fourth Sunday of Easter. April the 30th, 2023. Uh, good text today. Some choices to be made, kind of, you know, which way you want to go here. Um, and I know you've been thinking about it, and uh, we'll talk about it. So uh, tell me what you got on your mind today, Baba, as we get ready to preach. Well, this Sunday is the um, the Sunday we might take a transition from resurrection experiences directly in the Gospels mm-hmm. to other texts from John uh, that talk about re- the life in Christ right. uh, from other parts of the the, uh, mm-hmm. the Gospels. Right. Uh, this is unform- informally known as Good Shepherd Sunday because mm-hmm. three of the four texts refer to the Good Shepherd um, yeah. and the shepherding. Uh, Psalm 23, 1 Peter, and of course this about the gate and mm-hmm. the sheepfold, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, and, you know, they have explicit sheep references. And I, I think Acts could be, if you want to go that way, you can talk about Acts as an idealistic portrait mm. of the flock. Hmm. Yeah, looking you know, in on the flock. Shepherd ah. and an ideal flock without using those words. <clears throat> and one of, one of the key questions in today's lessons raised in each one is what is the nature of Christian leadership? Mm -hmm. I think uh, none of them says directly, what is the nature of Christian leadership? (laughs) But but each of them um, talks to us about this. And one of the, the struggles for preaching on this in the early 21st century and where the church is now Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily urban and urbane, mm-hmm. uh, is that sheep and shepherding were a pertinent and lively image, mm-hmm. uh, a figure of speech, as John says in ten six. Right. For those folk in that time, in those places. Um, and then, you know, just as an aside, Peter's mm-hmm. also doing some reflecting on uh, masters and slaves, which right. is also no longer pertinent. So hmm. I think one question, I'm going to find you an answer. I'm just thinking through to make this really lo- live. You need to find an image that works in um, your congregation in your time and your place. Right. I've had congregations where sheep and shepherding or, or ranching and cattle mm-hmm. or, you know, various mm-hmm. Those kind of things would work okay. Right. Uh, I would say if you got to spend well over half of your 10 to 15 minutes in my tradition explaining 
<laughs> agriculture, right? The early first century, which you probably know very little about to start with, right? Right. So that you can then begin to explore the text, you're mm-hmm. in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, don't spend more time there than necessary. Mm-hmm. And um, then try to you, you really struggle with the question: How do I translate this to the modern church situation? This question of Christian leadership who who's in charge i'm not going to answer that we're going to explore the text and maybe yeah. at the end we'll be able to talk <laughs> a little bit more about it that's just the question going well, that, everybody just said well uh, what a bummer you raised a question you're not going to tell us the answer come on well, no. y'all, y'all gotta think with us, think with us <laughs> that's what we do it we we literally every week we just pull these texts up and we think about them, talk about them, maybe have a few ideas, but we're not the answer guys, right? So, nope. I don't know. so what I'd like to do is, is uh, do the gospel and the Psalms and, and uh, first Peter and leave acts to be talked to last yeah. in our work together. Today. Yep. It, it, it kind of does work. sit apart. Yeah. And actually begin with the gospel lesson and then see how the other two, comment and compliment yep. so yep let's do it um let's do it so we're going to start with john the key contrast in this text is between two types of leaders uh you have the shepherd um, verses two through five mm-hmm. a big description of what the shepherd is like and hearing the voice and not a stranger etc and then scattered through the text uh, is thieves and robbers as a contrasting form of leader mm-hmm. uh, in the first verse, then in 8 and 10. Um, there are differing images within that for Christ in this mm-hmm. because um, you start in 1 through 6 with Christ as shepherd. But then in the 7 through 10, he shifts and it becomes a gate or a door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's very more a little bit even more confusing because in 1, you have entering by the gate and not... So how does mm-hmm. Christ enter by Christ's self, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, you, if you will? Yeah. And so it, uh, many commentators say that basically these are two different pieces of work here yeah. uh one through six is one piece about christ as the shepherd mm-hmm. and then seven through ten is commentary which shifts images to try to get mm-hmm. explain what is called in six a figure of speech mm-hmm. so one through six it's who how is how am i the shepherd mm-hmm. and then six seven through ten is commentary in which he shifts about talking about through the gate, right. through the entrance, and mm-hmm. I am the entrance you come. It's not conflicting. They're just not the same image. <laughs> you know, two images. Same yeah. time. And, and this gate, some places it's gate, and other places it's translated door. Here mm-hmm. it's translated gate because it's the sheepfold, which is mm-hmm. uh, a fenced-in area. Yeah. In other places, the same word, thyra, is translated as door because right. it's coming in the door of a house. It's, but the, it's entry the entrance. Way. It's yeah. the way in. Mm-hmm. And so when he uses it here, when he says, um, you know, I am the gate, as he said, I am the entrance. Mm-hmm. I'm the way in. Mm-hmm. But he, the contrast going on here 
is between him as the gate and those who came before me mm-hmm. were thieves and bandits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, who are these? One of the questions is, who are these thieves and bandits? And one can assume that those who came before me, um, you might talk about some of the kings mm-hmm. and priests and others of the religious leadership and the political leadership of Israel. Uh, and he's contrasting there. That's another theme that goes throughout the failure to be right. the legitimate leader, mm-hmm. king, prophet. Could also be the current, in the, as we're talking about that, who are these thieves and bandits now mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. contending with and that are saying this, who are your leaders who are saying this is different. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, we have to recognize this gospel was written a good deal later than the time of Jesus. And when John put his work together, he's writing to people who are mostly converts and he's trying to help them understand life in their community. So the question right. is, does, who is Christ to us and how do we hear the voice? Where do we look to hear the voice? Right. What is the true voice? In our community, where do we hear the risen Christ speaking in this community, mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. in our midst? And the measure of that is one who speaks the way we know Christ would have spoken mm-hmm. and the one who lives the way one would have lived. Right. That is one who lives uh, words of love, grace, and truth, and one who speaks those words and lives that life. Right. Um, uh, way Ch- Craddock put it, uh, this is not a direct quote, this is an impression of what he had written about about this, is that Christ becomes the rule, the ruler, as we would say, the ruler, mm-hmm. the canon, the measure by which we measure leadership and proclamation. Mm-hmm. It yeah. comes down to when you're saying, would you, what would Jesus say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not, you know, as clergy, we're not Christ. We know. Correct. But we have, what we say has to hold to the measure of the kind of thing Jesus would have said. Right. With the kind of grace and welcome. Yeah. I I don't remember the first time I ever heard the phrase, but I, I remember that it made an impression on me. And that is that in all things, Jesus is our model. Right. We yeah. we have a model. We have someone to look at, some teachings to read, et cetera, et cetera. And so you think, what would Christ do here? How would Christ handle this? And so sort of having a model. Um, and uh, something else I want to be sure and say <laughs> goes for yeah. this illustration and it goes for this text, too. Right. You're right that the images, the metaphors, the analogies that we draw here, they're a little bit jumbled if you just sort of read the passage straight right. through. But because in the passage we have for today, stopping at verse 10, Jesus right. never says, I am the good shepherd. No, he never He does. sets it up. That happens in verse 11, which is read other years on this right. Sunday, but not today. So I'm the gate. You know, part of the question, well, who's the gatekeeper? You know, the gatekeeper... Don't get distracted by all of that. No metaphor is complete. Right. Right. You you cannot capture the essence of God or the essence of Christ, the essence of the Spirit in any metaphor. 
It, they, they help to open a door they bring meaning over. And the other thing to realize is all of these analogies that we make, every analogy will break down eventually right. if you carry it far enough. Well, yeah. if Jesus is the gate, does he have hinges? Do you need somebody to come <laughs> along with WD-40 and make, I mean, you know, don't. The danger, the dangers of liberalism. <laughs> That's right. The dangers so, of liberalism. So I think what you've yeah. said is a great suggestion. Let's read this text. Let's think about what's happening and how's John constructing the story. What are we learning? Yeah. Don't get too caught up in trying to make it fit uh, very well, rigidly here. We, we've got yeah. something going on with sheep and shepherds and gates. And, and at leadership. the end of the day, it's it's about the grace of God that we know through Christ. And so, and yeah. Primarily, how do we know that Christ is the Messiah? Because mm-hmm. the good, the shepherd mm-hmm. the, is the image, but either of king or prophet, of the mm-hmm. one who comes in God's name. Yeah. Yep. Uh, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, That's as it. we say in the sentence. So the question then is, how do we know? Um, that who that is, and secondarily, how do we know who, what person leading in the Christian community speaks with that voice and leads with that love? Mm-hmm. And that's the question we're asked. And thirdly, uh, in the Christian community, if you're not a pastor, you're not on the vestry. What does this have to do with you? Mm-hmm. Well, it has to do with who do you listen to. But also, uh, we pay attention to the the Protestant understanding that we are a priesthood of believers. Right. So all of us are called to proclaim the word and to act in mm-hmm. as Christians to one another, uh, to priest one another, as it were. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, we have to talk to ourselves about mm-hmm. what voice do I speak with? Whose voice do I speak with? Do I speak with the voice of a stranger? Right. Or do I speak with the voice of Christ's love? And how do I act? Mm-hmm. And how do I enter? Right. And those are all important questions. Dr. Hofler taught preaching at uh, Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary in Columbia for quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. And like most bachelor seminary professors, he was an eccentric person who amused his 20-something students. <laughs> to know him. But he was a good guy. Yeah. Good professor, knew what he's talking about. He always referenced Luther, who talked about finding the kernel of a text. Yeah. You know, the K-E-R-N-E-L. Right. Kernel. And find out, he said, what do you shuff off? What do you break the nut? Whole things and saying, what's the kernel? What's the good stuff? Yeah. And Hofler would then say, for us, the question in, where's the gospel? Mm. Ultimately, you hunt right. around and you're proclaiming in the Christian community, where's the good news? Here? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the good news here is that Jesus has come through the gate and got, Jesus offers entrance to the sheepfold, mm-hmm. which is the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that entrance is through Christ. Yeah. And that we can count on being able to know the voice because we measure it against the voice of Christ. If it proclaims love mm-hmm. and grace, yeah. it's the voice. And if it lives grace and love, That's it's it. the voice. And we can measure it against thieves and bandits in the church 
by saying, are they only in it for pride, Mm. for power, and for their own purse? (laughs) I will refrain from Ah. naming names, but I would suggest that if a clergy person has a couple of million dollar jet at their disposal (laughs) and lives in a house in which most of the people in my Clay County, North Carolina could comfortably fit, (laughs) <laughs> they may not be the person you want to spend a lot of time listening to. I'm just saying. <laughs> and there are variations on that on theme. On that theme. Okay. Hey, y'all. No, don't don't fill up my jet today. I won't be using it. <laughs> y'all okay with y'all? I just let my crew know there. You got your crew? No, okay. you're not flying today. <laughs> yep. So for me, that, that segues to what First Peter's mm-hmm. talking about, this issue of how do you know the leadership? Because he spends a lot of time in Peter. He's talking about Christ as an example. Now, it can be a difficult text, particularly if you look back to what came just before. Right. And the question he's been dealing with is he's this this is a this first Peter is a an exhortation, maybe a sermon, a catechetics class mm-hmm. for people. It's a baptismal yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be baptized? How do you live as a Christian? And he's sort of doing uh, Greco-Roman moral code and kind of household, how do you live? Right. And so one of the questions, there were a lot of early Christians who had been slaves. And the question was, <laughs> what difference does it make in my life that I am been Baptized. Mm. I remember my namesake in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Del Mar. Del Mar O'Donnell. Del Mar O'Donnell. And he <laughs> and uh, get what the other one's name was that got baptized down mm-hmm. at the river when the sirens sang and they all went yeah. down to the river to pray and they got yeah. baptized. And he was all excited about having been <laughs> baptized. And he said, he was talking about, said, I am redeemed. I'm a new man. He said, I am forgiven. Even that piggly wiggly. Knocking over that over down in Yazoo city said, I am, I am forgiven for that. (laughs) And uh, one of the companions says, well, I thought you said you were innocent of those charges. He said, well, I lied, but I've been forgiven for that. (laughs) That's question. What difference? How does that affect? Mm Mm-hmm. So the question came up of masters and slaves, partially about what about suffering being Mm -hmm. punished. So one of the answers he gives, and it starts there, in in 19 and 20, he's talking about the pain of suffering under a master. Mm -hmm. And this is why he's talking about, well, if you did something wrong, and you're being punished for it, that's not redemptive suffering. You deserve that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, He says that, and he's, one of the things we struggle we struggled with as we look back at the history of Christianity, it was there was no early push against masters to free their slaves. Right. I think they gave good advice to the slaves about not trying to get free, mm-hmm. because the culture was so strongly um, master slave. It would have taken a major revolt and numbers that Christians didn't have for mm. that to happen. So, um, you know, the question is, how do I live within this context that's not going to change? Right. And it's kind of like saying, 
uh, to a prisoner in prison, you know you're not getting out of prison, so how do you live within this mm-hmm. situation you're in? That's the best I can do at that point, because I think the text itself leads us to say, well, how does, how does a person live within a situation mm-hmm. in which they can't change things and they're suffering? And he differentiates suffering we deserve. Um, you know, if you drive 80 through a 35, the, <laughs> the pain <laughs> of that ticket and mm-hmm. losing your license is all on you, Bella. That's on you. There are a lot of other things. like That's the kind of thing he's saying. If you deserve it, there's no merit in it. Then yeah. he says, but on the other hand, he tries to interpret the other kind of, if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. The yeah. end of 20. He's trying to talk about the redemptive power of suffering. Mm-hmm. I think this is a counterbalance to the kind of triumphal Christianity that says get saved and you, you know, you're going to be uh, prosperous. Yeah. Everything's going to be Everything fine. Everything will be Life great. Will improve. You know, mm-hmm. what is that joke about? Play a country song backwards, and you know, <laughs> your wife yeah. comes back, or your yeah. dog comes back. Dog comes wife, back. Yeah. And, you know, all your wife, your wife loves, quits running around. All this stuff. You know, all yeah. the bad stuff that happens in country songs. All reverse. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't happen. This is part of what he said. It doesn't change that. It mm-hmm. changes how you live through what you live through. You endure suffering that you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And then he points in 21, Christ also suffered for you. He points to Christ Mm -hmm. as the example. Right. And there again is how we help to interpret and, you know, sort of figure this thing out. You know, what is the point of suffering? Let me think about the way Christ suffered. Uh, not going out and looking for it and not no. doing anything that deserved this, but it comes and Christ enters that suffering right. and allows that, uh, that suffering. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. Be careful about you searching for God in the midst of suffering, but waits for God to be revealed in the midst of that suffering, which is, well, in, um, yeah. You know, there's 22 and 23. This is stuff exemplary mm-hmm. that we can see as an example. He had committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. That says, see, he suffered without deserving. Mm-hmm. And what did he do when he was abused? He did not return abuse. Mm-hmm. When he suffered, he did yeah, not threaten. Right. But he entrusted himself to God, the one yeah. who judges justly. I remember my, early in my, I've told you this story before, John. I think I probably told it to everybody. If I told it to you, I've told it to everybody who listens to this. Yeah. Well, that's my, all right. We'll enjoy it again. I was 23 in my first parish, and and I was surprised at how Christian people could behave toward a pastor they didn't much care for. <laughs> I deserved some of it. I wasn't very good at that point. Mm-hmm. I was one year of seminary, a little student pastor, but they were treating me pretty rough. And, I said something to my mama about it on the phone, and she said, Honey, there's a reason there's a cross on that table. <laughs> yeah. If they treat if they treat Jesus like that, why do you think it treats you any better? <laughs> why are you any better, boy? I yeah. Said, yes, mama. My mama was a good good kind of church lady. Yeah, know? that's right. She taught Sunday school to treasure and cut flowers on Saturday and went and put them in the church, but mm-hmm. she also understood the gospel. Yeah. And that helped me. Yeah. A great deal at that of course. point. Why? And this is what Peter's getting at. 
uh, to be a Christian is to take up the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that leads to suffering that's undeserved. But then he shifts in um, verse 24 to say not only is our suffering Jesus an example, Mm -hmm. but Jesus' suffering is redemptive. He shifts to that redemptive. Ours Mm -hmm. is not necessarily necessarily redemptive. We endure. Yeah. We suffer. Sometimes our suffering may help others. But he points to Christ having suffered for us so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. Mm-hmm. He quotes, you know, the suffering servant from yeah, Isaiah. It's very connected to Isaiah. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and he comes in with the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Yeah. Now it's carefully how I, I, I love that word guardian is the same one as bishop, episcopos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overseer mm-hmm. of your souls. And so I, I don't want to say, make too big a contrast there, but one of the things he's talking about, what is reflected in something Jesus said about saving your life and losing your soul. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jesus is the guardian of your soul, and mm-hmm. that's the important thing. Yeah. Don't lose your soul in protecting your body. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, there's no simple answers here. But he points us to Christ as the example. And why I said that is it flips all the way back over this guardian of the souls. An example flips back to what we were talking about in John. As Jesus is an example of Christian living. And Christian leadership. Mm -hmm. Christian care for others. Yeah. For you were going astray like sheep. I remember coming up with the connotation that... You know, that's a bad thing. You, you, you've been just deliberate and you're just turning your back on God and you need to repent. And, and I go, now I come to this and I go, well, you know, sheep, they just sort of wander off. <laughs> they're not thinking about it. They just sort of wander off. Well, oh, look, there's some grass. You know, they just sort of wander off. And, and so, we wonder, you know, and you go, wait a minute, what am I doing? So, yeah, that's why sheep need a shepherd, right? I bet my grandson's been playing t-ball and, you know, they're all <laughs> four or five. And basically in t-ball, you hit it off the tee and then yeah. everybody runs to first. <laughs> and then you run the bait, you know, every kid. You chase them around. Chase them around and they hit the ball and every kid is lined up around the pitcher's mound. They all chase the ball. When they get they throw it home. So it's not the game. It's gotcha. learning to hit, field, and throw. And you look out there, and every team has a couple of three guys that are just off over the edge of yeah. the infield building sandcastles <laughs> in the dirt. Raising their shirt up, looking at their belly button. <laughs> their know, belly what? button or whatever. <laughs> and we were sitting there with uh, my my grandson's parents, my son and daughter-in-law, and we're sitting, there goes Luke, showing in the sand boat. <laughs> Luke! Come back, ball, ball. Yeah. That's us. We just stray over. We're supposed to be playing, off, playing yeah. Christian ball, and instead we're just we get distracted. Yeah, have to re- be it returned. happens. It Shepherd happens. has to bring us back. Yeah. Well, Psalm twenty-three. Uh, there's <laughs> there's so much, and it comes around a couple of times a year. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say much new. I, I want to mention there. There are two parts here. One mm-hmm. through four mm-hmm. uh, is the image of God as a shepherd. 
in five and six, the image of God as a host. Mm -hmm. And in both, there is throughout, there is the image of protection. With the shepherd, you're out and as sheep and you're going and there's all these beautiful images of places you could be and they're there to protect you as a shepherd. Yeah. And in the, the latter two, with the house of the Lord, there's God as a host and implies the temple, house of the Lord forever. But it's a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. A host protects their mm-hmm. guests. You can mm-hmm. uh, just thinking back all the way back in Genesis and and Lot in yeah. in Sodom and the guy trying to protect them in the house and who do I send out? The protection that mm-hmm. you get, the host is obliged to provide. And God has prepared a table for us and and protects us. Mm-hmm. The presence of mm-hmm. our enemies is our host, and both the images throughout that are that of one who protects. Right. And cares, and we, uh, have, have, we talk a lot about making places a safe place. Mm-hmm. This is about making. This is what this is. Yeah, the, and life a safe place. That's why on this particular Sunday, that verse one of that great psalm, all of the good things that follow that that you've just laid out, all of this. Me, that's why verse one is just such a powerful statement on its own. The Lord is my shepherd. I I don't lack anything. I, yeah. There's nothing I, I shall not want. I, I'm not lacking. That's the, the kind of the idea behind that. And, and here are all the reasons. This is what God does. This is how the good shepherd takes care of sheep. So I wander my way back in and God calls me back over. And in that presence, there's safety, there's shelter, there's nurture. Yeah. I, I There's nothing else I need. Yeah, I yeah. love it. So shifting over to Acts 2, 42 through 47. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I said, this is an idealized flock. If you're going to if you're gonna trumpet Good Shepherd Sunday and sing mm-hmm. various versions of the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> I mean, of the 23rd <laughs> Psalm, mm-hmm. you know, as a hymn. You know, there's lots yeah. of great hymns around that. The Lord of love my shepherd is, yep. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that might be how this works for you. But it's an idealized portrait of the early church. And we right. all know, you look back at the beginning days. You ever had a Founders Day for your church mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. community? And, you know, it couldn't have been that smooth. <laughs> and those people couldn't have been. Surely they had more trouble than that, yeah. Yeah, and so this is this is Luke looking back and talking about the early church. And he's building a rhetorical portrait for the church of his day. Mm-hmm. And he's basically said, this is what we're supposed to be. Right. And in that sense, I like verse 2, Acts 2, uh, 42, mm-hmm. as as that kind of verse. I call it in um, Reformation days, they talked about what are the marks of the church. Right. These are the initial marks of the church. Where you find these things, there you will find the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, studying the apostles' teachings. Koinonia mm-hmm. is better, more than the fellowship hall where we all kind of like each other. Mm-hmm. Hell, fellow, well met. It's a deeper coming commonality yeah. than that. Right. I'm pretty willing to argue that breaking of the bread in this line is the Eucharist. This is a Eucharistic practice. I'm with you on that. And the prayers. And uh, makes a good preaching series. Woo. You can do the same verse for a month. <laughs> 
talk about right the, there and, yeah. and our war retreat for your congregation talking mm-hmm. about how do we measure up against the marks of the church mm-hmm. these are the things it means to be the church how are we you know i love that text and i the sermon i'm putting out this week is going to be about this text okay and so he he he, they devoted themselves, and then the rest of this text, he sort of lays out what that means, how that comes out. All came upon everyone, signs and wonders that were being done by the apostles. For Luke, this is, they continued the ministry of Christ. Mm. The, all, they were visibly doing the sorts of things that Christ did, the signs of who God is, yeah. as God is present with us. All who believed were together and had all things in common. <laughs> I remember preaching on this text in the church about, it was about 30 years ago. And this woman had been in church all her life. She came up to me and she said, is that a new translation? <laughs> is that really in the Bible? I said, yeah. I said, well, I've never you? heard that before. That must be, com- that sounds like communism. <laughs> we had a long chat. Yeah, and I said, uh, "Let's look at the." Look at, and we looked at various versions, and mm-hmm. she just had a hard time yeah. believing that anything that close to sounding like socialism or communism was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is commonism. Commonism, maybe it's a little different. Commonism, yeah. <laughs> Sell their possessions and goods, and to distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. You can see here this in, this initial enthusiasm of giving everything over to this new kingdom, this new community. You can also see what, what some people, you know, the early eschatology of Jesus will mm-hmm. be back soon. You know, we've right. seen church, you can look at church history. and Yeah, I'm not going to need this. Here you go. Yeah. That get into a kind of Adventism. Mm-hmm. Jesus is coming soon, real soon, right next week. Mm-hmm. They get into that commonality. Yeah. So that's not unheard of. And the question would be for a Christian community, how do we do this now Hmm. in the society we're in? How do we commit to all things in common? How do we share our possessions for the cause of Christ? That's an important stewardship question there. How do we do this now? Uh, Spent much time together in the temple. Uh, They were good Jewish folks, and they were spending a lot of time in prayer. They broke bread at home. I, I interpret that one as the the daily bread. There you go. Ate it. They ate at home, mm-hmm. and they had the breaking of the bread as a community. Right. You know, when they were together as a community. But ate their food with glad and generous hearts. That is, <laughs> take grace and eat. Uh, you there know, you go. Uh, glad and generous. Yes. Yes, we and had a, everybody I, loves them, and they're going they growing like leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, we had a great. All of us that have been doing this a while have got old preacher stories, right? And then yeah. suddenly, Delmer, you and I find ourselves as old preachers, and I don't know well, if they are. tell stories about us or not. But uh, Pastor Herb uh, ministered actively for over seven years, retired for the third time at like 93, 94 years old, lived to be uh, just over 100 and preached in our congregation on his 100th birthday. Uh, Quite a character. Everyone loved 
to ask Pastor Herb to to give thanks for the meal, to ask the blessing. And uh, his phrase that everybody waited to hear, Lord, we thank you for this food, and we will enjoy it with enthusiastic gratitude. <laughs> He's enthusiastic right. gratitude. We're, we're going to enjoy it with enthusiastic gratitude. because you. So that's kind of what we're going here. They're, they've got glad and generous hearts. Uh, gathered around the meal and and thanking God for what God was doing in their midst. Well, the ending of this Good Shepherd Sunday reflection, I'll tell you the story that I first heard from uh, retired Bishop Leonard Bolick while he was still bishop. He (laughs) told it at an ordination that I was at about the uh, retired pastor who worked up a group to go with him to the Holy Land, Mm -hmm. you know, how you work with a travel agency and you get a trip to the Holy Land, if you'll oh, yeah. get the number of people going and you'll be the kind of spiritual guide, you get to go free. Right. This is how this right. Works. So he worked one of these up and he did his study. And then one of the things he had read was that shepherds, you know, did not beat the sheep with their, mm-hmm. their shepherd's crook. They, they helped them out of dangerous positions mm-hmm. and they walked ahead. The sheep, sheep followed. So they were on the van, and he was telling people about this because they were going into sheep country. They were north of Jerusalem somewhere on their way up to the Sea of Galilee, and they were stopped, and they were stopped because there were sheep in the road. Mm-hmm. And he was in the he had his back to things, and he was talking about all this, about not beating the sheep. <laughs> and over his shoulder, the people were watching, and it was this shepherd just beating the car <laughs> out of the sheep. With his crook pushing and beating them, getting them out of the road. Wailing the tar out of them. Pastor, look at that. He looked, he said, let me off this bus. <laughs> so he got up and he went up and he had the interpreter with him and he was talking to this guy. He said, look, everything I've read said shepherds don't beat the sheep with the crook. He said, they don't. He said, well, why are you doing it? He said, because I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> so we may not have have uh, thieves and bandits in our pulpits, yeah. but I swear to God, we got more than a few butchers. There's been beating on their churches. Oh man, yeah. Don't 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 beat on your don't beat on your uh, yeah. on your sheep. They they just wander sometimes, as do you, me, uh, each of us. Yeah, we need a little. That's why I'm going to argue for grace. Um, that that final phrase in in John ten that, that that's another Sunday school memory verse. I have come that they might have life and have it, have it. more abundantly. Abundantly. Uh, well, that's not all just about everything overflowing, and it's not just about a prosperity gospel kind of thing. You know, what is this quality of life um, that that God, from the beginning, I believe, you know, this goodness that is an inherent part of the world and part of who we are, what is this? Well, it's very, for me, attached to grace. And I'm going to argue with my folks for uh, a little grace in the way we treat one another. And uh, the way we go out to live this Christ life, this resurrected life. So thanks, Bubba. Appreciate that. We'll try to get on again next week. We'll have a few more things to say. In the meantime, y'all have a uh, a good time, whether you preach or teach, and whether you do so on a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday, a Thursday night, wherever it is. We hope it goes well. Bubba, not much left for us to do today. Other than to tell everybody bye. 
Everybody bye. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbles and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Half.Cool. We go out today with Ain't No Sunshine, written and performed by Bill Withers. She goes away. Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone to stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this house just ain't no home anytime she goes away. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. sunshine when she's gone Only darkness every day Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes